0: 92 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And there's no way to sugarcoat this one and really no other way to say it. The Rangers turned in just an absolutely dreadful performance in Pittsburgh in Game 4. You know, it's funny because usually when the Rangers lose, even if it's a bad loss and, you know, kind of lopsided and they lose a game like 5-1 to in the regular season or whatever it might be, I'm pretty big on saying, well, you know, there's still one or two positives that we can take out of this game and, uh, you know, kind of build on that going forward. Uh, With a game like this, I'm struggling to see really any positives of any kind. I suppose, you know, off the top of my head here, I would probably say that the kid line continues to look uh, wise beyond its years. They've been the best line for the Rangers pretty much through the entire four games here. Those guys look very assertive, uh, very determined to keep the play alive in the attacking zone. Very good on the forecheck, and uh, it paid off when Alexi Lafreniere opened the scoring in this game here to give the Rangers an early one-to-nothing lead. But that's about where the good news stops for the New York Rangers. After that, just a complete disaster. And I think we got to talk about uh, Igor Shesterkin right off. Uh, you know, the at the start of the show here, he obviously was not good. He obviously does not have his A game over these last two games in Pittsburgh here. He's been pulled out of both of them. But I would say that the bigger problem here is the fact that the Rangers team defense has just completely evaporated. And that's been a area around the Rangers where they've gotten a lot better as the season continued. You know, it was a big time problem early in the season. They basically just, in October, were relying on Igor Shesterkin to be in God mode. That was the only way that the Rangers could win games. And in more cases than not, he delivered, and Igor would steal game after game after game for the Rangers early in the season, and, uh, you know, obviously was lifting the team up, and now, you know, he has not been able to get back into Igor God mode, basically, and you see the result. The Rangers have been so bad defensively in front of him, it's just, you know, where do you even start? I mean, to begin with, this is something that I've been talking about through the entire series. The Rangers have so many issues trying the puck out of their own zone right now. And on one hand, you do have to give a little bit of credit to Pittsburgh. They've done a great job on their forecheck. They've done a good job, uh, you know, applying pressure and making it very difficult for the Rangers to do much of anything. Even something as simple as a zone clear seems like an enormous task for the Rangers right now, the way that they're playing defensively. And, you know, it seems like the Penguins almost sense that the Rangers are having these issues, and they certainly are struggling to get the puck out of their zone. Because if you notice, if you watch these games, the Penguin defensemen are really kind of cheating up a little bit. They're pinching in, and a lot of times, you know, the Puck will be up the boards. You think the Rangers are going to work it out. The the defenseman will step up. He'll keep the play alive, maybe dump it back into the zone around behind the net. And just like that, you know, you're right back where you were. And you're trying to get the puck away, you know, from the Crosby line or even some of these, uh, you know, the middle six lines for the Penguins that suddenly are playing quite a bit better and creating more scoring opportunities and finishing said scoring opportunities. It's just very, very difficult right now for the Rangers to do something as simple as get the puck out of their own zone. And it led to a couple of goals in this game. You know, there were too many instances where the Rangers had a chance to clear. They were not able to do so. And it leads directly to a Penguin goal. Uh, on top of that, we've seen where the Rangers are basically just the, the Penguins are mopping the floor with them in the faceoff circle. It's gotten literally worse every single game. In this game, game four, the Penguins won 60% of the draws, which I honestly thought it was going to be worse than that. You know, just watching this game live, it just felt like the Penguins were winning basically every face off and winning them clean. That's the other thing. And of course, two crystal clean uh, face off wins. In fact, I think three. Offensive zone faceoff wins led directly to goals for the Penguins. Two of them were within like five seconds after the Penguins winning the faceoff. They scored. But now I'm remembering that, you know, the Crosby game tying goal in the first period, that was also, I believe, the Penguins won that draw. And uh, they had possession in the Rangers zone for all 25 seconds of the power play. And then Crosby, of course, uh, ties the game there at one in the first period. So uh, the Rangers, you know, not doing a very good job on the dot. And it's not just that they're losing these faceoffs, they lose them all just completely clean, Uh, you know, the center for the Penguins just plays it right back to the defenseman, and just like that, the Penguins are in business, and again, it led directly to uh, several goals here, but on top of that, you know, as far as the Rangers team defense is concerned, you know, it's crazy to think that this Ranger team, in four regular season games against the Pittsburgh Penguins, first of all, the Rangers went 3-1 in those games. Secondly, though, and more importantly as far as what we're talking about here, the Rangers allowed just four total goals in those four games. And they did that by, you know, just playing strong overall team defense, taking the body, frustrating the Penguins to basically no end. I mean, look at the second period last night. The Penguins scored five goals in the second period. The Penguins scored more goals in one period in game four last night than they did in four total matchups in the regular season against the New York Rangers. That is just a mind-blowing stat, but honestly, not really that surprising when you look at the quality of defense that the Rangers are playing in this game. There are too many players on the Rangers right now, and Gerard Gallant said this after the game. He basically called it a soft performance. He broke out the dreaded S-word uh, to call it his team for how they played in this game, and I think it was completely warranted. I think Gallant, you know, after game three, he was a little bit more positive, like the fact that the Rangers came back in that one, and I think Gallant, you know, a couple people were critical of how he presented himself in Game 3, you know, after the Rangers had lost that game, I actually kind of liked it. He was painting a positive picture, choosing to look at the good things that the Rangers did in that game, and also just kind of conveying the message that I'm not ready to panic, I still believe in my team. Uh, But after this one, you know, this was just downright coyote ugly by the New York Rangers, and uh, he certainly had to call out his team, and we'll see how they respond. It seems like, you know, for the most part this season, uh, Gallant has uh, pushed the right buttons as it pertains to, you know, the way that he's motivated this team, the way that he's, uh, you know, put the lineup together. He's done a couple of, uh, you know, line combination things that a couple fans have pointed to and, you know, questioned, but then it always seems to work out. So uh he, I think, absolutely had to call out his team after this one. And as for Igor Shosturkin, obviously, look, he has not had his A game in these two games in Pittsburgh. I thought he was absolutely fantastic in the two games in New York, but I don't think there's a goalie in hockey, maybe in hockey history, especially the game last night. Game three, you know, maybe if Igor has his A game, the Rangers maybe could have stolen that one from the Penguins. Uh, he didn't have his A games, and Igor got pulled out of that game after the first period. This game last night against the Penguins, yeah, Igor wasn't good. I don't know that there's a goalie in this league or maybe even in hockey history that could have won this game uh, against a talented team like the Penguins and getting as little help as Igor Shesterkin got uh, from basically the opening faceoff right until he got pulled out of the game in the second intermission. And as far as the decision to pull Igor Shesterkin out of this game, You know, we did a crossover episode with Hunter Hodes of Locked on Penguins after Game 3. It's always a great time uh, talking some hockey with Hunter. And we both were talking about, you know, the decision by Gallant to take Igor Shosturkin out of game three after just the one bad first period. And I think both of us were on the same page there that maybe they should have left him in. You know, I realized it was obviously a rough period for Igor, but given the fact that he had just a tremendous season and the fact that he is the likely Vesna winner, I thought, and I think Hunter agreed with me, that Igor deserved a chance to try to right the ship going forward in that game. And he wasn't able to get that opportunity. Alex Georgiev came in, played very well in relief, the lone exception, of course, being the soft goal that he allowed to the Penguins in the third period of game three, uh, that gave them the 5-4 to four lead. And, of course, they went on to add a couple of empty netters as well. In this game, though, uh, I don't have any issue with the Rangers pulling out Igor Shesterkin. And, and it's just crazy to think that this is where we've gotten. I'm sitting here four games into a playoff series— against a team that the Rangers basically owned in the regular season, that Igor Shosturkin basically owned in the regular season, and I'm comparing the decision to pull Igor Shosturkin out of Game 3 against the decision to pull Igor Shosturkin out of Game 4. I never in a million years would have guessed that I'd be sitting here talking about uh, something like that, but facts are facts. This is where we're at right now, and in Game 4, I had no issue with Gallant uh, taking Igor Shosturkin out of the game uh, between the second and third period. At that point, it's uh, 6-2 to Penguins, Never say never, but I mean, a comeback based on the way the Rangers were playing defense in this game and the few scoring opportunities that they were generating seemed next to impossible. I mean, a four-goal deficit in the third period, very, very small chance you're going to come back and win that game. I think it was basically no chance in this one for the Rangers. But the reason that I didn't have an issue with Igor Sestirkin being pulled is, again, it, it was just kind of a hopeless situation. And unlike game three, where he was taken out after the first period you know, the Rangers still had a chance to come back in that game, and they did come back in that game. They tied the game at four in the second period. They weren't coming back in this one, and I think it's better just to get him out of there, allow him a chance to hopefully mentally regroup and be the Igor Shesterkin that we all know and love for Game 5 because they're going to need him. I mean, the way the Rangers are playing defense right now, and, and you hope that certainly they can tighten things up a little bit. I mean, they almost have to play a better uh, defensive game in Game 5 than they did in this one last night because it was just abysmal. Uh, but again, you know, you just hope that he's back to being uh, the the game-stealing show stealing kind of goalie that he's been this entire season. He's just been tremendous up until basically these last two uh these last two games here. And one other thing that I got to mention here as it pertains to the Rangers and their effort or lack of effort in this game and I'll get to that in just a second, actually. I'm going to say my thoughts on that for in just a second. We're going to talk about it. You know, a big-time issue that I have with how the Rangers played in this game and uh, the lack of support they gave to Igor Shesterkin. We will get to that in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by betonline.net. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So like I was talking about just a second ago, the other big issue that I have with the Rangers, you know, we can talk about the ability to clear the puck out of your zone, and we could talk about defensive structure, and we could talk about, uh, you know, just getting killed in the face-off circle. All the X's and O's and things like that Hockey is still a game of willpower and imposing your will on your opponents, which is something that the Rangers did very, very well uh, throughout basically the entire regular season and certainly against this Pittsburgh Penguin squad. Uh, but last night, where was the fight? Where was the fire? Where was the anger? You know, think about what happened at the end of game two. The Rangers, uh, Turn in a gutsy effort. You know they're down one to nothing in this series. The Penguins have just a furious charge in Game Two. The Rangers are able to hold them off at the start of the third period. Igor Shesterkin was absolutely fantastic. The Rangers had a three to two lead in Game Two at the beginning of the third. The Penguins came out flying in the third period. And Igor held them at bay and preserved the lead. And then, of course, the Rangers built on the lead later in the game. But how did that game end? That game ended with Jeff Carter crashing into Igor Shesterkin, you know, knee to knee. And I'm not even going to get into whose fault it was and any of that stuff all over again, because that's kind of beside the point for what I'm about to talk about here. Where is the anger from this New York Ranger team after your goalie, twice in Game 2, got taken down? Because it wasn't just the Carter play. There was a play also in the first period where Evan Rodriguez, you know, Igor was behind the Ranger net, Evan Rodriguez make contact with him, and Igor fell to the ice there. So where's the fire? You know, there's almost uh, just no intensity coming from the New York Rangers in this game. And I realize you can't turn Game 3 and or Game 4 into, you know, a never-ending quest for revenge against Jeff Carter. I realize that. You know, your season is on the line. This is the playoffs. There's things that are more important than, you know, getting your pound of flesh But you would still think that this team overall would be fired up. And maybe Jeff Carter is a little bit of a marked man in Game 3 and in Game 4. And I'm not saying to, you know, go up to him and cross-check him in the throat or take out his knee or anything like that. No no garbage like that. But, I mean, at the very least, how are you not, like, you know, pushing and shoving this guy after a play stoppage or something? There's just no resistance by the New York Rangers right now. They were just flat, basically, in a game that they absolutely needed to have. And this is a team that all season has stuck together. They've had each other's backs. They watch out for each other out there. That was nowhere to be seen. The heart and character and the passion that this team plays with was just completely missing in Game 4 of this series. And as a result, the Rangers are now down three games to one. The The Penguins were more desperate in this game last night than the Rangers were. And that's unacceptable because the Penguins were up two games to one. The Penguins were more desperate to boost their series lead to three to to one, excuse me, than the Rangers were to close this series to two to two. And that's just unacceptable. And it's just so uncharacteristic of what we've seen from this Ranger team basically all season. To see your goalie get just completely wiped out at the end of game two on a hit from Jeff Carter that was questionable at best. And then to just not really have uh, the fire, the intensity... Uh, going forward back into Pittsburgh in Games 3 and in Games 4, just basically be almost shell-shocked the entire game. Hard to figure out. Hard to figure out. And it really should not be all that difficult to find some intensity, dial up, you know, the, the temperature, whatever you want to call it, whatever, you know, analogy you want to use here. It should not be that difficult to you know, bring your A game and bring the intensity and just be locked into a game against the Pittsburgh Penguins because it's not just the playoffs and it's not just that play by Jeff Carter. Think of how nasty this series got between the Rangers and Penguins uh, in the regular season. Basically, all four matchups. You had a situation where the Rangers and Penguins did not play each other in the regular season until February 26th. That was the 52nd game of the regular season for the New York Rangers, and... You know, that was a chippy, nasty encounter, as were the rest of the regular season games. So, you know, the fact that the temperature was already so high between these two teams in the regular season, uh, the fourth and final matchup of the regular season, we remember how that one ended. The Rangers score an empty net goal late in that one, made it 3-0, and there was about, you know, 45 seconds or so left in the game. And then there's all kinds of fisticuffs as the clock is winding down. Uh, intensity is just off the charts. And then you have that nonsense where the Penguins, you know, they're refusing to leave the Madison Square on ice, and, you know, they're looking for trouble right around the red line. They eventually finally left. And yeah, Igor Shostakovic waved them away. He probably shouldn't have done that. But bottom line, you know, this team was acting up in your arena and it's a team with which you have had no love lost the entire season. These two teams can't stand each other. Uh, the Rangers, you know, I know a lot of people would, you know, you look to their their biggest rival, and a lot of people would probably say New York Islanders. Some old school fans would definitely think that. You might even think Philadelphia Flyers. That can get nasty between the Rangers and the Flyers. As far as this season is concerned, the Capitals, and you throw them in there too. As far as this season is concerned, though, no contest. The Rangers' biggest rival and the games that got the nastiest were the games between the Rangers and Penguins. So where did all that go? Where were the Rangers? You know, trying to mix it up a little bit. I'm not saying you go out there and look for some trouble, but they just played so passive and so docile in this game that it's just hard to wrap your mind around if you're a fan of this New York Ranger team. It's basically just the complete antithesis of what this Ranger team has been the entire season. And I know the Rangers are missing a couple of players right now who could obviously help them out. You've got Ryan Lindgren out of the lineup, and that leaves a pretty huge hole on the blue line. And you know the way the Ranger defenseman played in this game last night, I mean, you can't get Ryan Lindgren back into this lineup soon enough. I know there was some conjecture before game four that maybe he could play. Maybe the Rangers could even look to go with seven defensemen if there's a situation where Lindgren could play, but you want to limit his minutes a little bit. Uh, Unfortunately, he was not able to play at all. I'm hopeful that maybe he gets out there for Game 5 because, you know, obviously, if he was a game-time decision in Game 4, I think that, you know, it would stand to reason that he's got a better chance of playing in Game 5. We'll see if he's able to suit up and, uh, you know, gut it out. You've got Barkley Goodrow out of the lineup, very likely the Rangers' best defensive forward. That did not help either. Tyler Mott has been out of the lineup, and... You know, it'd be nice to see what that fourth line could do against the Crosby line. I'm not saying they would shut them down completely because the way they're playing right now, I don't think there's a line in hockey that can completely shut down the Sidney Crosby line. But you would have gone with Barclay Goodrow and Tyler Mott on the fourth line, and then maybe, you know, Kevin Rooney as the third guy who's obviously played in this series. But, um, you know, that's a line that I think fairly often would have been matching up against the Crosby line and uh, probably having at least at least a little bit more success against them than the Rangers currently are. But again, you know, the biggest thing for me at the start of Game 5, I need to see some fire from this team. I need to see some passion. I need to see them go out there and compete at the level that they've been competing at all season because it just has not been there. And I need to see, you know, the Rangers mix it up with the Penguins a little bit. You you don't like these guys. This is your biggest rival in the season. There's been no love lost between these two teams all season long. We need to see some big time intensity from the Rangers and basically just bring the fight right to the Pittsburgh Penguins from the opening puck drop. I'd love to see a fight. You know, I realize, look, I'm not advocating for senseless violence, but we know that, you know, when the gloves come off, it can kind of get a team going a little bit. And I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, I would say Ryan Reeves, but nobody in the Penguins is going to want to fight him. Nobody in the NHL wants to fight him. Maybe Chris Kreider. You know, Kreider's obviously stepped up in a big-time leadership role this season. I think if the Rangers do end up naming a captain in this offseason going into next year, I think it probably will end up being Chris Kreider. Maybe he's the one to drop the gloves. Maybe Jacob Truba. You know, somebody has to do something to just send a message that, you know, we're not going down like this because, This is a long, 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 long offseason. If the Rangers go out there in Game 5, at home in Madison Square Garden, no less, and they have another performance like the one that they had uh, really in either of these two games in Pittsburgh, I mean, Game 3, there were at least a couple of pauses. It's nice to see them come back a little bit. Game 4 was just a complete disaster. If you have another performance like that and you lose this game, by a score of, you know, six to one, seven to two, whatever it might be. That is just a miserable way to end what was an absolutely fantastic season, and like I said, be a very, very long off season for the New York Rangers as well. Uh, we're gonna keep talking about this. I gotta call out some of the Rangers superstars as well because, you know, it's not just the defensive deficiencies. Uh, we have not seen the Rangers superstars play like true superstar uh, players so far in this series, and we're gonna be talking about that and a whole lot of other stuff in just a second. All right, so I mentioned a second ago that, you know, I need to call out some of the Rangers star players, and, you know, that includes all the usual suspects. I mean, obviously, Igor Shesterkin has not had his A game. We've already talked about that and how uh, certainly he didn't have any help whatsoever in Game 3 or Game 4. Hopefully it's better in Game 5, and hopefully he can get back to, you know, being at the top of his game and at least giving the Rangers a chance to extend this series. But beyond that, I mean, you got guys like Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Ryan Strom, uh, Adam Fox for sure, Jacob Truba. I don't think any of these guys really has their A game right now. And that's a lot of star players that are not playing up to uh, the best of their abilities. And, you know, with guys like Panarin and Kreider and Mika, we'll start with them because they're, you know, the top three forwards on the Rangers. It's not like all of them have been completely invisible in this series and they've done absolutely nothing to help the Rangers. They've all gotten a couple of points here and there. But when you guys watch these games, and again, we're now four games into this series has there really been a time throughout this quartet of games here where we've seen Artemi Panarin, you know, really take over a game, where we've seen Mika Zibanejad really take over a game, where we've seen Chris Kreider really take over a game? We haven't really, and the frustrating part about that is that you know they're all capable of doing it. You know, these guys have been just ridiculous all season, and it's just nowhere to be found. There's None of these guys are really driving the play. You know, when Artemi Panarin is at his best, you feel like a goal is coming every time that guy's got the puck on his stick. It doesn't really feel like that right now. I mean, to begin with, it feels like the entire game is being played on the Rangers' side of the ice, but even in the few instances where the Rangers uh, you know, create some sustained offensive zone pressure and they are on Pittsburgh's side of the ice— You know, Artemi Panarin just doesn't look like that, you know, world-class player that we all know that he is. And again, he's had a couple of moments in this series, you know, a couple of points here and there, but just not taking over the game the way that he's capable of and the way that Sidney Crosby is taking over these games uh, on Pittsburgh's side. As for Mika Zibanejad, I mean, he's, to me, one of the elite two-way centers in this league, and that's just been nowhere to be found in this series. He had an assist last night, sure, but he only had two shots on goal, which is not that noticeable of a player and was a minus two on the night, and won only 45% of his faceoffs. And Mika's gotten better on the dot, you know, as this season has progressed, but it's just not happening right now. He, I mean, I barely noticed Mika. I think the only time I really noticed Mika's Zibanejad in this game was when he took that slap shot from the blue line that hit Chris Kreider right in the throat, and that's obviously not Mika's fault, but uh, again, you're just not really seeing his name being called all that often. And he's got to be better. You know, Mika Zibanejad, somebody on the Rangers needs to step up in this next game and just turn in a superstar-like effort because they have enough players, to me, that qualify as true superstars in this league, but they're just not playing like it right now. And that also leads me to Chris Kreider. You know, Kreider has four points in the first four games, as does Artemi Panarin. But again, it just doesn't feel like they're taking over games. And obviously, the power play is certainly struggling. You know, we've seen Chris Kreider score so many tipping goals on the power play this season but the man advantage just has not been up to snuff for the Rangers over this, you know, entire series, really. Rangers just two for 11 on the man advantage, but beyond that, there's just too many power plays where it looks like, you know, there's just nothing really happening, and that was the case in this game last night. I realized the Rangers only had the one power play, but it was not a good one, and they didn't score, and scoring on the man advantage has been a huge part of the Rangers' success all season, and they're just not doing enough of it, and just not looking dangerous enough on the power play uh, to win these games. And one of the biggest differences to me, you know, let's back up for a second. Let's back up to after game two. Again, the Rangers played very well in that game. They held off a really, you know, big time charge by the Penguins uh, late in that game. Gutsy win, even in the series 1-1, heading back to Pittsburgh. And to me... The biggest difference, or one of the biggest differences, in this series is at that point, right then and there, the Rangers and Penguins. The series is one-one. Both teams have done some good things. They've done some not-so-good things. But Pittsburgh has gotten it together in the areas where they've needed to improve, and the Rangers have not. I thought the Penguins, one of their biggest issues in the first two games of this series, was getting off to slow starts. I thought the Rangers were basically skating circles around the Penguins early in Game One, uh, and then in Game Two, you know, the Rangers got the lead in that one as well. But then you look at, you know, Games Three and Four, the Penguins have come out. Uh, just storming out of the starting blocks. You know, game three, they took a 4-1 lead. Basically, before you could blink, they were up 4-1 after the first period ended. Knocked Igor Shosturkin out of the game Then in game four, you know, I realized they gave up the first goal of the game. Alexi Lafreniere scored uh, to give the Rangers an early 1-0 lead. But the Penguins were playing strong hockey. They had tied the score by the end of the first period. It was 1-1 heading into the first break. And you almost could feel that the dam was about to break. And in fact, I even tweeted out after the first intermission, I said something along the lines of, you know, I'm glad that uh, the period ended there because the Rangers were really back on their heels in the final two to three minutes of the first period. So it was a good time for the clock to run out, go into the locker room, regroup, and come back out here. But what happens in the second period? You know, the tone was set eight seconds into the second period because the Rangers actually won a faceoff to start the second period and then immediately took a completely unnecessary uh, icing. So, I mean, that's not the reason why they gave up five goals, but it was just kind of... uh, Uh, an ominous sign of what was to come uh, for the Rangers in the second period there. And then, of course, the Penguins basically just take it to them. You know, it was just a complete butt-kicking of a second period. And again, it just goes back to the idea that the Penguins, even though they had uh, somewhat slow starts in Games 1 and 2, that was certainly not the case in Games 3 or 4. They have rectified that situation and uh, have— started quite a bit better. And you guys see the result. Something else that I think was kind of plaguing the Penguins in the first two games of this series is they were not getting any secondary scoring whatsoever. I know Malkin got the uh, triple overtime winner in game one. But besides that, I don't think a single Penguin outside of the Crosby line uh, really had a hand in any of their goals in the first two games. And that changed in a big way in game three. Uh, The Penguins went to the power play a couple times early in game three, and they got two goals from their second power play unit. And I want to go back to a conversation that I had with Hunter Hodes. We actually uh, talked during the regular season. And he mentioned, you know, kind of similar to the Rangers that uh, the Penguins' second power play unit hasn't been much of a factor all season. They don't get a ton of ice time. And even when they're out there, there's not a whole lot happening. And that sounds kind of familiar to Ranger fans because uh, they have not gotten a whole lot from their second power play unit this season either. But in game three, what happens? The Penguins start getting some secondary scoring and the Penguins' second power play group comes through with a pair of power play goals. So, the Penguins, you know, to me, that was their two biggest issues after the first two games of the series slow starts and, you know, not getting any secondary scoring. And they have uh, rectified both of those issues in a big, big way in these uh, most recent two games in Pittsburgh. Now, what about the Rangers? Well, they're taking too many penalties and too many dumb, unnecessary penalties. And that absolutely continued in this game as well. Uh, There was one with Patrick Nemeth. Early in this game, you know, the Rangers are up one nothing at this time. This is just an unforgivable, stupid penalty. And I'm going to talk more about Nemeth in just a second here. But he's completely away from the play. He's, you know, kind of in front of the Ranger net, trying to guard his guy. And he's, you know, kind of keeping an eye on the puck. And he's just not watching what he's doing with his stick. It goes up. It catches this guy in the face. And he's off to the penalty box. Uh, Two-minute penalty. And the Penguins, of course, convert uh, just about, what was it, like 30, 35 seconds into the power play. So just a terrible penalty there. The Rangers taking too many penalties pretty much the entire series, and, you know, you're giving the Penguins too many chances. We mentioned that the Rangers are just 2 for 11 on their power play in the series. The Penguins now are 4 for 12. So the Penguins are winning all the special teams battles and that's been a key to the Rangers' success this year. They've been very, very good on the power play, very, very good on the penalty kill. It's been nowhere to be found in this series and I think it starts with the Rangers needing to stop taking these penalties and stop putting themselves in this situation. Yes, there were maybe one or two suspect penalties called against the Rangers in this series, but you still got to be able to step up and kill off these penalties. And, you know, you can't argue with this one. Nemeth, high stick the guy in the face. He's off. He has been just bad in this series. I mean, I'm sorry. I I don't like to pile on, but, you know, Patrick Nemeth, when they signed him in the offseason, I thought it was a solid signing because to me, I looked at this as somebody that could round out the third pairing, would kind of be a stopgap defenseman for the Rangers until, you know, one of their kids is ready to go. Uh, And I figured he was somebody that, you know, had a limited ceiling, but also a fairly safe floor. Well, we now realize that his ceiling is basically mediocrity. Patrick Nemeth, at his absolute best, is a painfully average NHL defenseman. At his absolute worst, he's a disaster. And he's been a disaster in both of these uh, most recent two games as well. And I forget about going with seven defensemen in the next game if Ryan Lindgren is able to suit up. I say put Ryan Lindgren back in there. Uh, leave Justin Braun in the lineup. Put Braun with uh, Braden Schneider. Obviously, you put Lingren back with Adam Fox. And put Patrick Nemeth in the press box because he has done absolutely nothing to help the Rangers in this series. And he's done quite a bit to hurt them. And it's not all on him. Like we said, the Rangers played terrible team defense, but it's hard not to notice uh, just how much he's struggling to keep up with the play and how many penalties he's taken. He's now taken four penalties in this series. So he's got to be a healthy scratch in the next game if Ryan Lindgren is available. The other thing that's plagued the Rangers throughout this series and something that they have yet to correct, I mean, first of all, just team defense in general, but a more specific area of that, again, the inability to clear the puck out of the zone. There are too many instances where the Rangers just cannot get the puck out of their own zone. And, you know, not all of them necessarily lead to Pittsburgh goals, but I mean picture a scenario like this. Say like uh, the top line is out there, Mika Kreider Vitrano. And the puck is about to come out of the zone and you're excited. You know, you think the Rangers might get a rush up the ice and instead you know, the Penguins keep it in. Well, now, Kreider, Mika, and Vitrano, they all got to go back to work on defense. They got to, you know, grind along the boards and try to do everything they can to once again get this puck out of the zone. If they're finally able to do so, by the time they do all that, they're gassed, all you can do is gain the red line, dump it into the zone, and go off for a change. And so it's almost kind of a wasted shift for that trio because we know how dangerous they can be. But if they're playing the entire game back in their own zone because the Rangers can't clear the puck out of their own zone, then they're not going to have anything left to do anything offensively. And I think we've kind of seen that manifest itself in this series. Just not enough offense coming uh, from that Ranger top line. And again, part of it is the Rangers, they get pinned so far back in their own zone that it's hard to do anything offensively. It's just It's just that simple. And the other big issue, and it's something that I alluded to earlier in this episode as well, and something that I've talked about for pretty much the entire series, the Rangers have just been flat out bad in the shift that immediately follows a goal. And we saw that in this game as well. The Rangers 1-1 after the first period. The Penguins get off to a good start in the second period. Mike Matheson scores a goal to make it 2-1. And what happens? 24 seconds later, the Crosby line strikes again. Jake Gensel scores, and it's 3-1. And just like that, you're facing another uphill battle, and one that the Rangers were not going to uh, win in this game last night. And the other thing that I want to talk about here today before we call it a day is the uh, goaltending decision for game five. And again, I cannot even believe we've gotten to the point where we're talking about okay, which New York Ranger goalie should start? in game five, a do or die must win game for the New York Rangers if they are to extend their season. But obviously Igor Shesterkin has had a tough time over the past couple of games. And as we acknowledge, he's gotten absolutely zero help in front of him. But Alex Georgiev has played well in relief in both these games, stopped 19 of 20 in game three, and then stopped 10 of 11 in game four, despite himself not always getting a ton of help. But to me, there's only one way to go, and that's with Igor Shesterkin. He's the guy that got you this far. I think there's a better chance, you know, if the Rangers are going to crawl out of this 3-1 hole, I just think there's a better chance that the guy that's probably going to win the Vezina this season has a better chance of leading you out of uh, that deficit than Alex Georgiev, who has, you know, obviously been a backup goalie for the Rangers, uh, really for the entirety of his NHL career. And I know Georgie has made some nice saves in these last couple of games, but to me, despite your struggles, his ceiling is much, much higher than Alex Georgiev's you know that at some point if the Rangers are going to somehow come back from 3-1 down sooner or later the goalie is going to have to steal at least one of these games and to me Igor Shosturkin has a better chance of doing that than Alex Georgiev. so I'll go with Igor we're talking about that a little bit more in our next episode uh, dive a little bit more into the decision as far as which one of these goalies uh, could and will start I mean we know who's going to start Geraglan has already announced that it will be Igor Shosturkin in game 5 but I definitely want to talk a little bit more about that decision in our next episode however that will do it for today guys once again if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well at lo underscore ny underscore rangers. Once again, that's at lo underscore ny underscore rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making locked on New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen locked on NHL from first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss. Locked on NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.